Welcome to the Canicuck Institute podcast, where we continue to equip leaders with biblical skills for a lifetime of ministry. Hello, everybody. This is Keith Chancy coming at you live from the Canicuck Institute. We are so excited about you joining with us today, and I am excited about sharing with you guys something that's very fun and on my heart. It's out of the continuation of 2 Timothy, and now we're going to be looking in chapter 4, 6, and following. And we're going to kind of cover as many of these verses as we can in the next 15 minutes. And I just want to get you guys pretty fired up about some really cool stuff. Well, guys, let me ask you a question. You know, as I think about this text today, you know, something that kind of comes to my mind that, uh, that I was kind of wrestling with. You know, it talks about in verse 6, it says, For I am already poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. So Paul is recognizing right now, hey, I am about to die, guys, and it's over, and my life is done. And you know, as I think about that, you know, I ask these questions to myself, what do you hope that your life has stood for on this earth? What do you pray that when people think about your name, that they go, you inspired me to, and there's a big question mark there. What are you doing in your life that really inspires others? And you know what, guys? I've really been thinking about that because, you know, I've now been going just about five decades now at Canicut Camp, and I am thankful for every moment of it, but I'm beginning to look backwards and go, you know what? What has my life stood for? And I can only come up with one word, and the word is Jesus. Because you know what Jesus has done in my life is he, he is just absolutely, from the moment uh, I was a young child, I always knew that God was there, but... Somewhere I got my, my view of God got tarnished because of my family and the trials that I went through and the difficulties of life. And before long, you know, I was angry at God because I just didn't know the answers to what God's word said about trials and difficult times. And so I, I blamed the only person I thought I could blame and I blamed God for it. And I'm so sad that I did that because it was the wrong type of blaming. Because God didn't hurt me or cause these things to happen. All of that was a result of the fall. And I've said that before. The fall was man's free will. And God redeemed man's fall through Jesus. And so as I think about that, I go, thank you, Lord, for what you have done. And thank you for that you were poured out for something so big for me as a drink offering. But you know, as I think about this drink offering, I, I kind of get caught up into 2 Samuel 23. And I want you to look with me today, if you're, if you're able to get to your Bibles. I think this passage will kind of give us a little bit of insights. Because, you know, we're talking about Paul's last words. But now we're going to see David's last words. And so as you look back at 2 Samuel chapter 23, it says in verse 1, Now these are the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, declares, the man who was raised on high declares, the anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel, the spirit of the Lord spoke by me. By his word was on my tongue, the God of Israel said. The rock of Israel spoke to me. He who rules over men righteously, he who rules in the fear of God. Is this the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds, when the tender grass springs out of the earth through the sunshine after the rain? 
Truly is not my house so with God? And then he says, For he who has made his everlasting covenant with me. Guys, this, a Davidic covenant. You know what I love about this everlasting covenant? Is that here it's referred to as a covenant because a binding agreement had been made to fulfill in chapters 9 through 20 that David, I mean, I tell you what, he hadn't done it all right. In fact, he and his household failed. But David rightly believed that the Lord would not fail. But he would faithfully fulfill his promises of a future of the descendant of David. There would be an eternal kingdom. And he would offer this to all in the world at his timing. And so as we think about us in the New Testament, that there's going to be a day which we're going to receive something so great that was promised to David through his line. And Jesus will be born of the line of David. And one of the prophecies that we see here is that there would be a fulfillment. And it was not because David was good, but because God. And, and God would fulfill what he said he would do. Well, as we read a little further, we see David. And he now begins to exhort his mighty men. You're just seeing these guys that are dudes that could fight like nobody's business. They fought so many. They killed so many. I mean, you just see these guys that were able to do what nobody else could do. But then you see a very interesting story. And I want you guys to understand something about this story because it's kind of a fun thing. In verse 15 of chapter 23, it says, And David had a craving. Now, guys, I want to ask you a question. How close would you have to be with somebody to know their craving? If someone was to walk close to Chancy, would they really know what cravings I have? Well, I'll tell you what cravings I have. I love chocolate. And as I know that I love chocolate, I also know, know something else about me about loving chocolate. I'm allergic to chocolate. So if you ever see me pick up something chocolate, just know I'm making the decision that I know when I eat chocolate, I'm not going to be able to breathe. And I have to decide, is it worth it? You know, it's kind of funny because I, I, I do this every now and then. I'll go, you know what? I want those M&Ms or I want that Milky Way bar and I'll, I'll grab it. And I'm thinking, even as I'm opening the wrapper, I go, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? And I know you guys out there understand what I'm talking about. And some days I'll just eat it. And I go, you know what? I'm kind of heavy chested. I can't quite breathe all the way. And, and I hope that chocolate was so much worth it. Well, David had a craving and his craving was something that's really interesting. It says that he had a craving. Oh, that someone would give me a water from the drink of the well of Bethlehem and which is by the gate. And so David had a craving and it says that his three mighty men, these three men that were probably bowed up guys who'd killed a lot of people. They were mighty warriors. It is said that they broke through the camp of the Philistines And they drew water from the well of Bethlehem, which was by the gate, and they brought it back to David. Now, I want you to understand this. David has a craving. These men are daring. And now what happens next is really an amazing part of the story. So they brought the water back to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but he poured it out to the Lord as a drink offering. Now, let's think about this for a second. These men were, David had a craving. These men were daring. 
And now David was sacrificing. What is this story all about? Well, David's with his mighty men. He has this craving. And these men are walking so close with him. They just heard David so subtly reach, give these words about, I would love to have a drink from the well of Bethlehem. So these guys break rank. There's a war going on and they're willing to run through the battle lines all the way to Jerusalem. And they get from there, from the well of Bethlehem. They are there and they bring that water back to David. And when they give it to David, I'm sure going, man, I bet David's really going to like us right now. David said, guys, I love you, but I can't take what nobody else has. I'm going to pour it out as a drink offering. Wow. What a man. What an example. As I see that, I go, I, I just pray that my heart is like that, that I take people into consideration when my, when I have a craving and that people are daring enough to sacrifice their lives for me. I go, you know what? No way. I'm going to pour it out as a drink offering. Well, when I look at this passage over here in, in second Timothy, I go back and I see in verse six, that Paul says, I was poured out as a drink offering and the time of his departure had not come. He's saying, hey, my last words are here. Paul's last words, I want to be poured out. And you know, as I think about that, guys, today, in my last words, I just want my last words to be that I was poured out as a drink offering. My life stood for Christ. Everything that I did in my last 50 years of being in ministry was I was poured out as a drink offering unto the Lord. Everything that I did brought glory and honor to God, not to me, not to anything else of what I've accumulated, but to everything that I have and everything that I've done gave glory and honor to Christ Jesus. You know, as I say that, I think about the last words of my father-in-law, 97 years old when he died, 97. And, and Karen and I were trying to take care of him. My son had moved in, went in with him. And I'd been sharing Christ with my father-in-law for his the whole time that Karen and I had been married, almost 40 years. And during that time, he had always rejected the Lord. He just really didn't believe in Christ. He just didn't see the need to know. He thought he was good enough to go to heaven based on his works. Well, as Cameron, my son, lived with him one day, finally, Cameron broke through. And my father-in-law receives Christ as his personal Savior. He says, I believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I believe that he died on the cross for our sins. I believe that he rose from the grave and I want him to come into my heart to take away my sins. I want him to make me new and I want to spend eternity with him because of who he is. Well, that day that my father-in-law gave his life to Christ at 97 years old, it wasn't but about just a week later, Karen and I came from Branson over to Kansas City to see him and he, he needed to go to a doctor's appointment. So we took him to the doctor's appointment. He went through a physical and in that physical, he, he does his stuff. And as he's walking out of the physical room, he's walking back to where we were all at. And as he goes, he kind of slumps a little bit. And the doctor turns to him and says, Harold, are you okay? They sit Harold down to a chair. And he says, yeah, I'm okay. I think I just ran out of gas. Boom. He died right on that spot. His last words were, I think I just ran out of gas. Oh my gosh. I'll never get Karen. I just laying there just crying and, and just feeling the feeling of the loss of her father. But the thankfulness is that he had just run out of gas having known Jesus Christ. 
You know, guys, I think of you guys out there in the world today, you know, that Paul says, I was poured out. David says, I poured out my water offering as when these guys had sacrificed their life for me. He says, you know what? I can't eat what you guys sacrificed your life for. You were daring. I had a craving, but I'm going to now do sacrificing. I'm going to pour this out as a drink offering to the Lord. Guys, I just look at this and I go, am I really being poured out for the Lord? Am I really giving everything to the Lord? Am I staying focused to what God has called me to do on this earth? Well, look what it says next in verse 7. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. And in the future, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Guys, what a great text. I have fought the good fight. You know, in the end words of our life, I want to know that I've done it right. I don't want to have have fought against a lot of things that didn't have any significance or eternal value, but I want to have fought the good fight for Christ Jesus. I want my job to have been about the things of God. I want the people that I've met to to love God more. I want them to see that that I I have finished the course that I've done it well, that my life stands as uh, my life verse says in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those that love God, to those that are called according to his purposes, that I have made Christ known, whether good or bad, it's all been all good. And you know, guys, I wanted my tombstone for it to say one day, it's all good. Because no matter what I come through in life, whether it was good, bad, or ugly, no matter what, I know this, that God was always by my side. And that through the difficult times, I only had to trust on him more. Through the times that I thought that there, there, there's just no way out, God was there. I've never been without him because he is my God. And I, I hope that my life has been poured out as a sacrifice to him, a drink offering. And I pray that in the end of my life, I have kept every bit of the faith that God gave to me through the understanding and the recognition that he is God. He is Jesus. He is the Holy Spirit. And that I have been led by the Spirit in my life, that I have been guided, that I have never been without, that He's always been there after His death, His burial, His resurrection. He left me with the greatest gift He could give me as the Holy Spirit. And that I have lived for Him. And He has offered to me one day in the future a crown of righteousness. I think of a good friend of mine that just passed away named Nick Corn, And and Nick, when he died, I, I just couldn't think of many more things Uh, that I could say about this man, that he has just earned so many things in heaven of what he has done, that in heaven there would be a crown of righteousness. And when you look at this crown of righteousness, in in the scriptures it says there would be a crown of righteousness one day we get in heaven, the crown of life in James 1.1 that we get in heaven, the the crown of exaltation that we'll get in 1 Thessalonians 2.19, the imperishable crown that we get in 1 Corinthians 9.25, and the crown of glory that we get in 1 Peter 5, 4. Guys, my friend Nick Corn was an old farmer. And all Nick did in his life was love the people of this community. And every year what he would do after Nick got saved is he'd go pick up inner city kids and he'd get permission from their mom and he'd bring them to KAA where he would just desire for them so much to get saved. And after they get saved, he'd take them back, lead Bible studies with them, And when I did his funeral just this last month, the one thing that was said there at that funeral 
was as the football team came in, as all these people came in, there was not enough room in this chapel for everybody that was there. And it was for one reason and one reason only. This guy had fought the good fight. He had finished the course. He had kept the faith. And what I knew about him is that it was, it was laid up for him a crown of righteousness. And all these crowns, the crown of life, the crown of exaltation, the imperishable crown, and the crown of glory. I tell you what, Nick Corn, he wasn't but about six foot tall, but a skinny. He was skinny. There wasn't a lot of meat on his bones because he had fought a good fight. He had fought cancer. And in the ends of his life, what I know is this, is he exalted Christ. And God exalted him because in his testimony at the end, everybody shared, this man was the reason I came to Jesus Christ. His life made a difference. He understood the eternal perspective of why God gave him here. And guys, I say that to you guys today because I want you to think about what is it that your life stands for? And what will be said about you on that glorious day when you stand before God and He says, well done, my good and faithful servant, come on in. Guys, we're going to have a party. And that party is one day in heaven. But on this earth, let's get busy partying with Jesus to make a difference for Christ. Guys, I hope you're having the best day ever. I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Hey, bye-bye now.